Our passage today is going to be Romans 8, 1 through 4. I'm going to let you guys turn there. Last time I was here, I, I had about 60 passages that we flipped to, or you guys tried to flip to, and I just kept saying I'm not giving you time to flip. We don't flip at our church. The guy in the booth flips them on the screen, and boom, everybody gets to see them while they're being preached. So I'm going to try to settle down. I'm actually going to turn to them myself, uh, and uh, I'll flip there with you. That'll take a little more time up today, but I think it'll be worth you guys being able to follow along here. Uh, before we read, I just want to say I did bring my family this time, Emily, my wife, my three kids are around here somewhere, and then we have a family friend that we brought down, Pastor, one of Pastor Brett's daughters is with us this week, um, but uh, yay, there she is, no, um, but they're with me, so if y'all are wondering why I keep coming down here without them, it was man camp last time I was here, all right, I'm not going to bring my wife to man camp, uh, but uh, she's here this week, so, but Romans 8, 1 through 4. Uh, actually, let's go ahead and stand and read. I don't know if you guys do that, but I'll make you stand today, keep you awake. We'll read it out loud together. It's verses 1 through 4. And here we go. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemning sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You can be seated. I'm going to pray while you're seated. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would move in our hearts this morning. Uh, allow us to have ears to hear and eyes to see the amazing position we have as believers in Christ. I pray that the Spirit will do His effectual, effectual work in the hearts of those today who in faith are trusting you to teach us truth as we look at what Paul wrote to the church in Rome about the Christian walk. Thank you for the opportunity to preach today. May I handle your word carefully and properly so that I might deliver exactly what you would have me to and uh, so everyone would, would receive exactly what you have, would have them receive also. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so although I'm no master of grammar, I can say that I've noticed patterns in the Bible that require small revisiting to grade school English class. I think we had one of these last time I was here. We're going to do it again because this is just how Paul rolls, okay? It's time. This thing's coming down. So God told us he preserved every word for us in Psalm twelve seventeen. did he not? Did he? Did he tell us he preserved every word? Yeah, he did. Don't make us go to read that one. That wasn't a flip. We're not flipping to that. But knowing that he's kept every word that he's intended us to have, when we see certain words or certain patterns of words, we then should understand that God is actually helping us to navigate the word in a constant way and in a way that he wants us to. So back in grammar class, we learned about conjunctions. Again, last time I was here, we had a conjunction. We got another one here. And what do those conjunctions do? It's that they connect words and phrases, and some of you all know the little ditty. You'll sing it in your head, but uh, they, they connect phrases or sentences together. And here in the Bible and in Paul's writings, he uses a conjunction because the subject matter is often interrelated, and he needs to layer on some things in order to get us to the next thing he's trying to, to, to tell us. So this morning's passage in Romans 8 is no exception here. There is therefore 
which is a conjunction, therefore. Now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And this conjunction should trigger us to stop, drop, and roll. All right? More grade school things. I, I realize I'm, I'm doing a terrible job here. Stop, drop, and roll. Okay, this is what we're going to learn. We're going to stop what we're, what we're currently reading. We're going to drop back to the previous passage huh? And see, that it's referring to. And then we're going to roll our way all the way back up to our text, reading what Paul is referring to prior to the therefore. Okay? Stop, drop, and roll. So we stopped. Let's drop back. So we rewind a little, and we end up going right back into chapter 7. Okay? And uh, we can find our context starting in verse 17 of chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, and reading all the way through the end of the chapter here. So I'm going to do just that. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is, is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that... When I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law. We've got two laws here. I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind... I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So we see here, <clears throat> what we're seeing is, is in context that Paul seems to be struggling, right? Paul struggled with habitual sin. It's a little shocking to hear. He struggled, though, even to the point that in exasperation, he told God that the only way that he could get sanctified from it is if he died. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But the point of chapter 8 is that you can be a living sacrifice. You can be dead while you're alive. How's that? But how do we do that? Doesn't sound so easy. We do it with a change of mind of our own identity. So our self-contextualization is not in the flesh And so then killing our flesh isn't the solution, all right? So we mortify the deeds of the flesh then with the Spirit because we are crucified with Christ according to Galatians 2.20. Let's go ahead and turn to Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. There it is. And yet, while we mortify or kill the deeds of the flesh, we do not die, but we live. And this living is due to Christ living inside of us. All right, look at the rest of this verse, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So back in our original text in Romans, Paul's dealing with the fallacy of the early church here, okay? 
They thought that they could continue to sin, that grace may abound, Romans 6.1. So just another, another chapter prior, they thought that they could just keep sinning because, well, they're saved. They got their ticket to heaven. They've punched that one. They can do whatever they want now because it's already covered. And, and Paul's like, please, God forbid, don't do that. Paul tells them that there's this weird little thing going on, though, that when we sin, that it actually isn't us that sins anymore. He states that if you come to the conclusion that you can sin all you want because Christ covered it, that you have made a massive mistake, dear Christian. The fact is, there will be condemnation for Christians who walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. There will be condemnation. Just not condemnation unto hell. For this condemnation has nothing to do with our salvation, but it's condemnation nonetheless, is it not? The entire book of Romans was written to give us our soteriological constitution for the church age. All of our salvation is practically realized in our walk with God. The new birth. Salvation is realized at the beginning of our walk, all right? At the new birth. At the resurrection. Ultimately, our new bodies are realized in the end where we receive our glorified bodies. And the in-between, the new birth and the resurrection, this is the key truth for the interim, that you are going to sin between the new birth and the resurrection. You're going to sin. But, but when you do sin, it isn't you that sins. Hmm. Okay, if it's not me, then who is it that's sinning, right? I actually saw myself do that thing, so it was me, but I'm not going to tell anyone. Well, what is this talking about here? So this gets us to the point of what we're trying to accomplish here this morning. I've titled the message, Not Me, all right? And so let's figure out how this can be. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, comma, who? All right, we got to keep reading here. Hold on, does it say that there's no condemnation for everybody? Does it say there, are, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, all of them, all the time? doesn't say that. Continues on. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And this is the key. So when you have kids and your kids are in trouble, <laughs> Max begged me not to, not to call him out, so I'm doing it. You're lost, buddy. You got kids that are in trouble named Max Blackford. If you got a Max Blackford, you got kids that are in trouble. And you ask, who did this? Who did this thing here? You know what they always say? You know what they always say. <laughs> not me, right? Not me. They always say it. At least they always say at my house. And uh, who left the cupboard doors open after they were begged to do the dishes for three straight days and they finally did them? Uh, not me. It wasn't me. Uh, not, not me. Who forgot to turn all the lights off in the house, right? Not just one. It was all of them. You couldn't find your thing and you had to just, the basement lights on for some reason. Not me, Dad. Well, not me. <clears throat> who didn't flush the toilet again? <laughs> All right, if y'all don't know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm reading my manuscript this morning, and that was in there. I forgot. Okay. 
That one actually happens at our house more than I'm willing to admit, but I know who it is. It's Max every time. But he says, not me, Dad. I promise it's not me. But you know what? We're just like them, aren't we? We're always saying not me to God, right? It's not me. It's the woman you gave me, God. (laughs) All right, Max, take a hard look. This is what you're going to become in about... Sorry about that. (laughs) But we say to God, not me. My kids make me angry. It's not my fault. Them kids. It's not me. That test was hard, right, guys? I had to cheat and to pass in order to stay on the team. It's not my fault. The, The requirements are too hard, and I had to cheat. Not me. My friends would make fun of me if I didn't if I didn't do it. Not me. It was the only once. No one will ever know. And it didn't affect anyone, so. I mean, why are we so quick to justify our sin to ourselves? Or to others. Or to God. To the point where we actually blame God for the reason we did sin. And we say it's not me when it comes time to fess up to our sin. Why do we shift that blame knowing that we are the ones to blame anyways. The majority of the time, we know we did it, and we know we deserve the wage or the punishment for what we did. But Paul goes into detail here to help us understand our condition just a little bit better and how to understand how we can plainly know whether or not we are condemned in our actions. And so again, in verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 1, we can see three things that give us evidence to whether or not our actions are condemnable. And our first point is this. There is no condemnation. There is therefore, I'm sorry, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. That's our first point. And if we walk after the flesh, we're subject to the law of sin, according to Romans 7, 23 through 25, that we read just a little bit ago to get our context. We walk after the flesh. We are subject to the law of sin. Our flesh is where our outward man is. It's where our old man resides, in our flesh. And in our old man is where sin is present. And where sin is present, death and condemnation are there for sure. We're going to walk through Romans, a couple different passages here, so just keep flipping around. Romans 6, 6. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death. Romans 8, 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. In Romans 8, 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And so how can we not be in the flesh then? If our old man resides in the flesh and sin is in the old man, how can we not be in the flesh? First, we have to stop saying not me, right? And realize that just like Paul, we too have sin in our members. He says that thing that he doesn't want to do, he just keeps doing it. He admits it. We need to admit that we sin and our sin will eventually lead to death. Because like we said, 
from the new birth to the resurrection, that interim time, we are going to sin. It's guaranteed. We need to admit it, and we need to admit that it will eventually lead to death. So we as Christians then must also recognize that the sin we commit is not, 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 not. It is not committed by our spirit. I repeat that as Christians, when we sin, it is not our spirit which commits the sin. It's not the inward man. It's not the new man. For our spirit is sealed by and baptized in the Holy Ghost immediately when we accept Christ as our Savior, right? And and, in being sealed, our spirit will not be condemned. Amen? The Holy Spirit promises to keep that which is committed unto him to the tune that no man can pluck you from his hand, John 10, 28 to 29. But we are waiting for our redeemed bodies, which is the adoption, in order to put on a new glorious flesh. Turn with me then to, to Romans eight twenty three. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of, to wit, the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies have yet to be redeemed. There's been an earnest payment made for that. And one day we will get a new body, but in the meantime, our flesh is wicked and evil and full of sin and full of death. But the sin we commit is done in our flesh, which is the old man. Paul wrote to the Colossians about their practical walk with God and and what things can be done to ensure that the flesh wasn't being served. He reminded them that they are dead. But Paul, though the old man, or, but even Paul thought the old man uh, was dead. They, I apologize. There we go. But even, the old, even though the old man was dead, there we go. I can't even write a sentence right anymore. They were still sinning, just like Paul said he found himself doing in Romans 7. The Colossians were the same. But since they were in Christ, they, and thusly we, are to do some things in order to keep the dead man dead. Because he just wants to be alive all the time, doesn't he? Colossians 3, 5 through 9. Colossians 3, 5 through 9. Mortify, kill, put to death. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when, we, when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these... And he lists a bunch of things to put off. Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. He's reminding them, reminding Colossians, the, the, the church at Colossae, that they need, they need to constantly put to death this old man because he's trying to get back alive all the time. It is the struggle of our, of our day. 
<clears throat> this, this is how we can tell that we are walking in the flesh. If these things are the fruit of our walk. Of our walk. Luke 6.44 says, For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns do men, uh, men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. And this fruit that we mentioned here, this fruit is walking in the flesh, which cannot please God, God it says. This is fruit that bringeth condemnation to the flesh. And we need to counteract this draw to serve the flesh. And Paul goes on in Romans 8 and gives us the antidote, if you will, to walking in the flesh. And this will be our second point. Continue on in Romans 8, chapter 1. <clears throat> there is therefore no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So point two is walk after the Spirit. The inward man, the new man, delights in the law of God. This law is also called the law of the mind in our previous passage in, in Romans 7. This is really not only, or, or this is because not only is God residing in us, but we are also residing in God. And our mind is spiritually bound to Christ to whom we are placed into at salvation. Romans 8, 6, we read earlier, for to be carnally minded is death, but the second part of that verse, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 8, 9 again, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And then Ephesians 4, 23, and, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The renewing of our mind is actually how we can know the will of God. Being not in the flesh, but in the spirit, we must now renew our minds daily. Not occasionally, not when we remember to, not when we leave our Bible at church for a week and then the pastor's wife has to call us and say, hey, we found one of your kids' Bibles here. I won't tell you who that was, but it wasn't him, apparently. Anyways, that was a low blow, Max. Sorry about that. How many times have I done this where I haven't read my Bible for several days? Yes, I am, I am definitely guilty, but we need to renew our minds daily. <clears throat> Romans 12, 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? How can we be transformed? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can prove the will of God by renewing our mind, by being transformed by the renewing of our mind. The new man is renewed in knowledge after the image of God. Colossians three ten through 11. I'm just going to just turn there. Why not? Let's just go there. <laughs> Colossians 3, verse 10 and, 10 and 11. <clears throat> so this new man is renewed in knowledge after the image of God here. So, and I have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And in order to turn, uh, in order to turn from walking in the flesh to re re renewing our minds, Paul gives us a playbook for how to accomplish this here. We can't just put off the things of the flesh. We must also put some things on, the things of the Spirit. So I think I, I, I said this last time I was here. 
Being sanctified isn't being just turning from something. It's being separated to something. And so um, we can't just take the things off and be like, okay, now we're good to go. But we've got to put the other things back on. So here he goes. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let, again, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Paul continues to specifically tell wives then how to do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he tells the husbands how to do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then he tells the children and the fathers and the servants and the masters. And he basically says that whatever you do, whatever you do, do it unto God. In verse 23, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. You know, I shared in Sunday school this morning that I had, I struggled how to figure that verse out for a long time. <clears throat> how can you do everything to the Lord and not, and not to men when you literally have to go to work and work for a guy? <laughs> you work for, for some company and they're telling you exactly what you have to do every minute of the day. Or you're, you, you're, you know, the government's telling us what to do. How, how can you do all things to God and not in, unto men? Well, it's a hard attitude change is what it is. And uh, I'll tell you when, you, when you figure that out, it changes the way that you, that you live your life. It opens your eyes to who's around you and what your actual purpose is. But that was a little extra there. Anyway, back to it. As we find ourselves doing these things, we will find that our minds are renewed from the Word of God. And our walk is not under the law of sin in the flesh, but our walk will be under the law of God in our minds. <clears throat> and it will change our hearts. The reason that God can expect us to walk in this way is because of our third point to knowing if our actions are condemnable or not. So the first point was walking out in the flesh. Second point, but walk in the Spirit. So our third and final point here is in verse 3, Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. God's already condemned sin in the flesh. <clears throat> God knows that this is a battle for us. He doesn't just see that it's hard while he looks down from heaven with pity saying, oh, that looks kind of tough today. I gave, I gave that family Max Blackford, whoa. That was really harsh. Just kidding. Actually, Max is a great kid, by the way. Uh, he, I, I really, yeah, he's a good kid. I'll just say that. I think I, I said before my mom, 
said, one of these days you're going to have a kid just like you. And I was like, it'll be great. <laughs> well, it's great. It is great. And he is just like me. So anything I say about Max that's bad, I can say about myself. <laughs> like times ten. Anyway, God knows the battle for us. He, he's not just looking down and saying, oh, man, that, that looks a little difficult. He knows it because he took on flesh and he felt that battle, that the, the battle that temptation brings, and he conquered it. <clears throat> and we know that for us, temptation leads to death, right? James 1, 14 through 15, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived... It bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So we know for us that temptation leads to death. But Christ bore the curse of the law in his body. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. And we don't have to endure the condemnation of hell for the sin of the flesh because Christ already did that too. God, instead of asking us to, to serve not the flesh, but to serve the things of the Spirit, that's what he's asking us to do. In Romans 8, 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So you want to know how to stop fulfilling the lust of your flesh? The age-old question, how do I stop sinning all the time? I can't stop myself. This thing I'm looking at, this thing I'm doing, these places I'm going, the way that I feel. Like, how do we stop doing that? You want to know how to stop fulfilling the lust of your flesh? Galatians 5.16. Write this one down. Keep this one handy. This I say then, Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. <laughs> there it is. The answer to all your sin, all your inabilities to stop sinning. You just need to stop walking in the flesh. You need to start walking in the spirit. And then James 1.12 Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You can actually get a crown. You get rewarded for denying the flesh here on earth. The crown of life. Two ways to get it, to give your life to Christ or to die to, your, to, die to yourself. And we can do that in this age, and they can do it in another dispensation during the tribulation in the same way. And their way of, of, of um, denying self or dying to self is to not take the mark of the beast and to, to help the Jew during the tribulation period. During this time while we're alive, we can get the crown of life by the daily self-judgment, by judging ourselves, by denying the flesh, by mortifying our members. That's how we get it. James 1.12, that's for you Sunday schoolers that I didn't give any of the references to. There's the crown of life reference right there. <clears throat> God even promises reward to those who can figure out how to endure temptation and walk in the spirit by mortifying the flesh and renewing the mind. He'll give you a crown and if you can figure out how to mortify your flesh and endure temptation, not giving in to lust. 
There's only five crowns that he gives out. This one's kind of important. There's only five of them. This is one of them. You see, the law could not be fulfilled by our flesh because our flesh is weak. And that's why Paul writes to the church in Rome to correct their thinking about these two men, the old man and the new man. Romans 8, 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So listen, the old man will always try to show up. The old man will always seem more fun. The old man will always desire pleasure. The old man will always hide in the world. The old man will always run to sin. The old man will always want you to walk in the flesh. The old man will always bring condemnation. But there's a new man. And he'll always be sealed under the day of the adoption of our new bodies. And the new man will always seek instruction. And the new man will always desire wisdom. The new man will always want to have God's word hidden in him. The new man will always be able to commune with God. The new man will always want to walk in the spirit. And the new man, when walking in the spirit, will always receive life and peace. Notice our text, Romans 8, 3, states about what what the law could do and what the law couldn't do. What the law couldn't do, the law couldn't fulfill itself. The law couldn't pay the penalty for breaking itself. This is why Christ came, so that we who walk in the Spirit might be able to fulfill the righteousness of the law through Christ, us. But what could the law do? The law could only do one thing. It was a schoolmaster showing us our, our error and instructing us. Back to Galatians 3.24. 24 through 27, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you has, have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. We need to put on Christ. Put him on. Stop walking in the flesh. And stop saying, not me. Just stop doing that. Start walking in the Spirit. Start saying, not I, but Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The, the life I live in the flesh, that old man, because I still have to walk around on this stinking planet, I'm going to live that by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, let's take God at his word, okay? I know I'm probably going way short. I'm going to go ahead and just I'm going to tie the bow on this thing right now. Um, but let's take God at his word. Let's renew our minds. 
let's seek and set our affections on things above. Let's walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Let's live by the faith of the Son of God, and let's receive life and peace and not condemnation, because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who love Christ Jesus. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for giving yourself for us. I thank you for removing our sin from, from us as far as the east is from the west. And though we continue to sin in our flesh, our spirits are sealed by your Holy Spirit. Help us to recognize the magnitude of your grace in our lives.